Well, this is a bit of a emergency-ish podcast of the Shamrock, which thank God we named it the Shamrock and not like always independent, because um, that there that may was, be a shelf life. That was me, Mike Monaco, still independent, yeah. was the name of our podcast. <laughs> Maybe uh, shelf life on that kind of uh, podcast naming in the Notre Dame space. I'm Pete Sampson, joined by Matt Fortuna, and um, man, yesterday was a day. Uh, started with uh, Charles Jagasov putting Notre Dame back at number one oh, yeah. in the recruiting rankings <laughs> and ended with uh, Notre Dame perhaps joining the Big Ten, or at least I think for the first time since I've been covering Notre Dame, the conversation about full conference affiliation felt reasonable, um, logical. It made sense for the first time to me. So I I was curious like how you, uh, how you process yesterday. Uh, I actually had an interview with Ohio State AD Gene Smith at 11 o'clock that ended abruptly at 11.25, and now it makes a little bit more sense why he had to go. So how did, uh, how did you take in yesterday as we began to sort of process what this means for, for Notre Dame? Yeah, Gene Smith, who led off this morning by saying he hopes his alma mater, Notre Dame, joins the Big Ten. Um, so we're... It's been pretty bananas. I mean, yeah, I mean, I, I spent much of, uh, what's today, Friday? I think I spent much of Wednesday working on a story on Brett Yormark, the new Big 12 commissioner that went up yesterday that I think I almost forgot about myself until I went on Twitter this morning and saw how I tweeted it less than 24 hours ago. Um, and then, yeah, the uh, the news of the USC and UCLA coming to the Big Ten. I mean, it's, it's the timing's definitely surprising. <clears throat> I think... The gravitational pulls, if you will, were, were always um, going to make the the idea of a big two, the SEC and the Big Ten, or whatever you want to call them, inevitable. Um, there had been some chatter in the last couple of weeks about the Big Ten looking to expand West, but again, my understanding, at least in, in real time, was that's something to consider down the road. Uh, but, but this all got accelerated over the last couple of days and really happened fast. And look, it, it makes a lot of sense now that there's a lot of logistical stuff that um you know confuses a lot of people and i i'm always fascinated I'm, I'm curious how you feel about this like the people in your life who like college football but don't follow it day to day or like obviously cover it day to day like we do all of them are like what the hell's going on the big tens of midwest conference what why, why is la coming like it makes absolutely no sense to them Whereas for us, we're like, of course it makes sense. They're all going to get rich. Like, that's what this is about. It's a, a zero-sum game in that regard. And um, look, there, there's a larger conversation that, to be had, I think, about like what is lost um, as far as college sports when conferences aren't exactly conferences anymore. And when we're inching ever so closer to, you know, an AFC and an NFC, a semi-pro league that much like uh, the NFL has CBS do the AFC games and Fox do the NFC games. This is essentially Fox owning the Big Ten and ESPN owning the SEC. And uh, their best are going to face off against each other. And that's kind of how the college football championship will get will get decided. So um, I thought you had a really good point yesterday and, and you wrote today about essentially, you know, if you're Notre Dame and, and, and you know, us two probably more than anyone have kind of stiff-armed the idea of them needing to join a conference, especially last year when it looked like the playoff was going to expand to 12 teams and and um, they were going to have an in. Um, now, I mean, you're not joining the Big Ten. You're not um, – if you were to join the Big Ten, you're not marginalizing yourself as yet another Midwestern power among a conference of many of those. 
you can literally play a national schedule coast to coast, not sacrifice any of your rivalries and make a boatload of money, which I don't know if I, you could speak this better than I could. I would never say Notre Dame like needs money. Like I don't think they're, they're cash strapped, but the price of independence, there was always a tax that came with that as far as prestige. And that was a sacrifice Notre Dame was always happy to make because the benefits outweighed um, the costs. And I, I think particularly, you know, a year ago at this time when, when Texas, Oklahoma left for the SEC and, and all hell is breaking loose around the country, I thought like then more than ever, you saw the value of independence because Notre Dame was probably the only program in the country that like was unnerved by that. They were fine no matter what. Now, that's serious money. We don't know what the financial terms of the Big Ten's next TV deal will be, other than it will be a lot. Um, and that's something I think Notre Dame seriously needs to consider because, look, if Clemson, Florida State, Miami, whomever else – Bolt the SEC, excuse me, bolt the ACC for the SEC tomorrow. And, and look, most of those schools, I think, are doing everything they can to figure out a way to do just that legally as we speak. There's not going to be an ACC for Notre Dame to um, stay in, to at, le- at least for it, not to save and, and even for its Olympic sports. I mean, there's just not going to be much meat left on the bone there. And, and, and you know, even talking to people around the ACC last night, you know, I, I, I put out the idea, well, like, Notre Dame can save you, right? That was always, like, the golden goose. Oh, if Notre Dame joins, the ACC will be made whole, and they'll be on an even playing field, and they'll all be ha- happily ever after. And it was like, no, like, this thing's beyond saving at this point. Like, the, the, the flagship schools, the ACC, are not in this thing together thinking, how can we make more money together? It's how can we get the hell out of there? And, and even if Notre Dame were to pick up the phone today and say, we're in with football, I don't think that changes things. If anything, I think it accelerates the death of the ACC in some ways because I think from a legal standpoint, the the greater amount of chaos that happens to that league um, muddies the legal waters, I think, just enough for, for some of those schools to have the opening they need to get out and not pay a too harsh of a financial penalty. It's I think Notre Dame is in a position where they, they have leverage today, but... I feel like that leverage has a little bit of a shelf life now, um, whereas a year ago it seemed indefinite. And the problem, you know, we talked about the college football playoff expanding, that that made Notre Dame more secure in its independence. Uh, it's impossible to know what the new playoff is going to be. The new playoff just may be like a Big Ten tournament and an SEC tournament, and those two winners meet. That's the national championship. Um, you have to be a part of that if you're Notre Dame. Uh, the financial ramifications, as you talk to people around this university, uh, from a fundraising point of view, they're much more inclined or have been forced to sort of lead with athletics now because there's an acceptance that the athletic department is not sort of a, a permanent windfall or an ATM for the rest of the university the way it has been for a long time. And that's that's not a development of the last week. That's a development, I think, of the last few years. But... When, you're, when you see figures like $100 million per school uh, with the Big Ten's potential media rights deal, that includes UCLA and USC. I mean, if you add Notre Dame to that, it only, it only inches higher, right? And you're talking about a gap of not $20 million, which is what I wrote, I think, four years ago, talking to Jimmy Dunn and Jack Swarbrick and some other people around the university about you know, you can stomach a $20 million difference because you're making it up in other ways. I think sort of the change in fundraising tone and just the 
harsh look at the new figures from the Big Ten, like that's not a gap you can bridge anymore. So the the independent tax has grown steeper and steeper and steeper. And I think that uh, if access to the national championship or a home for your Olympic sports, if that start if that crumbles, then you have to you have to join. And again, it's like when I talk to people around Notre Dame, I'm sure the people you talk to say the same thing. Like there's not a, you have to do something right now. I don't, I don't think that there's a, a sense of pressure of we have to make a decision, but I do think there's an urgency to figure out what the decision can be like game out some of these scenarios. What makes sense? What would a life, what would life in the big 10 look like for the hell of it? What would life in the sec look like? Um, you know, the, the ACC, if, are you all in? What does that look like? What if the ACC falls apart, but you leave your Olympic sports there? Is that enough? Uh, and then football go, could football go back to being just like purely independent? Uh, I don't, I don't know what the the right move is there, but I think if if you're Jack Swarbrick, you have to game all of this stuff out. Yeah, I mean, I think again at this point last year, the CFP had publicly said we're recommending a 12 team playoff, and if they put anything in print, we all assume it's it's going to eventually happen. Obviously, it didn't, but it was like Notre Dame's spot was secure. Like their independent streak could live on because they had access to a playoff, and that was that. I I, I do wonder talking to some folks last night. I, Jim Phillips, the ACC uh, commissioner, was pretty much the lead proponent of of delaying the expansion of the college football playoff, and indirectly that may accelerate the death of that conference because I think things yeah. are a lot more stable right now. Uh, I I don't know if this kind of movement is happening around the country if we have the playoff format for 2024 and, and beyond. I, I think this was a perfect combination of playoff expansion got delayed and everyone's kind of waiting to figure out what they want their conference to be like as far as how they're going to obtain as many college football playoff bids as possible. I mean, um, you know, Big Ten spring meetings – a little more than a month ago there you know there was talk about eliminating divisions and new scheduling models but most of the ad's i talked to had said you know what we don't want to do is is come up with a new model today find out the playoffs going to be something entirely different three years from now and then come up with another model then we want some form of consistency and i think the combination of that plus the big 10 currently negotiating its new media rights deal which you know, if you look at the time timeline, and I'm paraphrasing a little bit here, but but Kevin Warren had told reporters in Scottsdale in early May um, something along the lines of, "We hope to have something done by Memorial Day." And I spoke to him a couple weeks after that at Big Ten headquarters, and um, he did not commit to a timeline at all. He was he, he's always vague. He was even more vague uh, than, than usual. And, and you know, my radar was definitely up at that point as far as what's the holdup here. What and People in the Big Ten before this week I was talking to had wondered the same thing. I mean, I spoke to someone who got on one of those Zooms this week in which Kevin Warren um, basically told them, here's what we're doing. And uh, this person's mindset going into it was, wow, this must be a big Zoom. We were all told to be on it. I wonder if they're going to announce our media rights deal because this has taken forever. So this caught a lot of people off guard, to to say the least. Um, it's definitely a conversation or at least a thought Notre Dame needs to have internally. I wonder about the leverage play. And by that, I mean, I just look, it's easier to, to get a job when you already have a job. Right. But I, I, I just don't think, 
I mean, are you going to create a bidding war? Like, what, what's what's the SEC going to give you um, that the Big Ten wouldn't? Like, I, I just I, I don't know what the bargain is here. Like, it, it seems pretty cut and dry to me as far as where eventually the dominoes fall. I agree. Look, I think that you just sort of keep the SEC on the, on the hook if you can, if you're Notre Dame. But that doesn't mean it's serious. Like, the idea of Notre Dame and the SEC is just... It's like nonsense. Um, that to me would be, you know, I wrote this in the story, like when Penn State joined the Big Ten, what, 1990? Um, yeah, I think so. They, they lost sort of an identity of like being different, being independent. You know, when Nebraska joined the Big Ten, they lost sort of, I think, their identity of like where they were regionally. I think Notre Dame and the SEC could be something similar. Because it's like you are just you are on the outside looking in of everything there, um, whereas that the Big Ten now it's now it's truly a national conference. Like I wrote this, like the West Coast of the Big Ten yesterday was Lincoln. Now it's Los Angeles. The East Coast was State College. Now it's New York City and Washington D.C. Like in some ways, it, it has some of the stuff that appeals to Notre Dame anyway. Um, I think from a recruiting point of view, it's helpful, but not, it certainly doesn't hurt you. I, I don't think, I have yet to talk to a prospect that was like, independence is the most important <laughs> thing to me uh, when I'm evaluating Notre Dame. It's Marcus Freeman, it's the big brand, it's the stage, like all that stuff still holds. Um, if you're in the Big Ten, might be a little bit different, but I just don't, I don't look at, Notre Dame in the Big Ten is like the way that they would be boxed in the way they would have been. I don't know if it was like 1998, 1999, the last time this yeah, was I really serious. That, that, that would have been a different scenario entirely. I think you would have just sort of been dragged in kicking and screaming. Now you're joining something that's not really like a conference at all. It's a, a loose association of teams that are coast to coast that are all banking serious money. Those nineteen that nineteen ninety nine um, rebuff of the Big Ten officially came at a board of trustees meeting in London, um, which reporters covered on on the ground then. But I find that ironic because Kevin Warren made this move yesterday from London, where he was out meeting with potential conference partners. And I put this out there: I, between him adding USC and UCLA from London, and Father Jenkins hiring Marcus Freeman from Rome, I mean, what's Nebraska and? and uh, Northwestern going to be up to when they're in Dublin. Like something crazy happens stateside <laughs> whenever these big programs or big names take their business to Europe. But, um, you know, you, you put out on Twitter when all hell was breaking loose yesterday, essentially, and I'll, I'll just read it here since it's short, you know, the what would it take for Notre Dame to join a conference question always hinged on one, access to the playoff BCS, two, home for Olympic sports, three, TV partner. That hasn't changed, but total destruction of major conference affiliation could alter out all three. And you got a couple immediate replies from from notable um, domers, Brady Quinn, who said, ND has benefited from a national schedule east coast to west through their independence that is now offered by the Big Ten. Don't underestimate the impact of alumni events and contributions with the national schedule. If you can offer that, along with greater TV money, dot, 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 shrug emoji. And then Mike Golick, uh, senior. Uh, replied, we all knew ND would remain independent as they should until surrounding issues forced to move. We were getting to that point, and the Big Ten is the move. Uh, I'm not suggesting those were coordinated responses on behalf of their alma mater, but if Notre Dame <laughs> wanted to uh, 
get that out there from a PR standpoint to brace their fans for that move, that would be the way to do it with those names and with those exact descriptions. Um, because I think they were pretty spot on. Um, and, and you chimed in by saying essentially like a conference isn't a conference now is not what a conference was. Um, it, ju- it just isn't. And, um, Look again. You're giving I, up I, a lot less. You're giving. You're giving I'm not saying you're giving up nothing, but you're giving up a lot less, and you're getting a lot more in return than you were 20 years ago. Oh, a lot more, a lot more. I mean, and look, money talks, right? And I, I, I think there's an inevitability to a lot of this. Um, I'm curious, like the timeline of it and the steps that will be taken to that play out. Like, I don't think it's as simple as tomorrow we're going to wake up and Notre Dame's in the Big Ten. Um, I think they'll do their due diligence with the ACC with everyone you think else. They'll wait. Uh, they'll wait for Monday and do it on Independence Day. <laughs> <laughs> How long were you holding that one? Uh, it's, you know, it just popped in my head. It's probably the, the comedic timing would be about as good as Marcus Freeman announcing green jerseys yesterday on Twitter <laughs> while this is all going. To- Hey, my, my brother works for the Nets, so we both had very busy June 30th yesterday um, <laughs> between the Kevin Durant news and, and uh, college football news. But, yeah, I think we la- last podcast, I think I said I'll see you on the other end of the 4th of July, and obviously that didn't age well. Didn't but. make it. <laughs> I, You know, you're, this is a, an issue, and I don't think either of us are very clear on it, but you're clearer than I am. The financials of Notre Dame leaving the mm-hmm. ACC – do you have much of an understanding on that? Because like when I talk to people around Notre Dame, they're like, I can't quite get a straight answer on it. Neither, neither can I. And it, it's funny. Like, let me. I'll, I'll take a step back first. The grant of rights is what has held the ACC together, um, which is essentially if you and the grant of rights lasts as long as a TV deal, which lasts right now through two thousand thirty-five, thirty-six. Now, the idea of gaming something out or, or even picturing what this wacky sport will look like 14 years from now is, is crazy. Um, I don't know why anyone would sign that long of a deal, but that was what the ACC chose to do. And and that's where they are right now. But um, it's, it's the creative rights in in of itself is prohibitive. Like again, if there were, there was an easy way to get out of it. I think the Clemson's and Miami's of the world would have done that by now. Um, Yeah. Prohibitive, prohibitive for full, for full members. members. Um, Now, our colleague Andy Staples has a hold of the previous grant of rights, which to our understanding is exactly the same as the current one, um, just updated with dates and names. And it's not its not a finite dollar. Like there's not, you will pay X millions of dollars if you forego this deal. It's essentially, you'll forego your media rights and we, the conference, determine the value of that. And I think that vagueness gives a lot of legal scholars um, and, and people in the know here um, pause as far as simply saying, all right, the SEC is going to go make us haul. We're out of here. Oh, wait, what do we owe? Like, it, it's believed to be like in the hundreds of millions of dollars this far out right now. Now, that will mitigate with each passing year, but it's serious money. And I don't know if anyone in the ACC <clears throat> outside of maybe Clemson could even borrow against that right now. I don't think Florida State could. Uh, the Notre Dame situation is different. Um, it's been passed around as gospel for 10 years now, ever since Notre Dame joined the ACC part-time, that if they were to join a conference full-time in football, it would have to be the ACC. I don't know if that's 100% accurate. I know that gets repeated a lot there, a lot out there publicly. Um, 
ESPN's Heather Dinich tweeted yesterday that if Notre Dame were to leave, um, the grant of rights only applies to their Olympic sports. And if that's the case, we're talking pennies on the dollar compared to what anyone else would have to pay to leave and, and compared to um, the overall value of those products and properties because football is 90% of these deals. Um, and it, it doesn't sound like Notre Dame would have to pay a penalty uh, in that regard football-wise if they were to leave. I've asked around Notre Dame, though, and I, I haven't gotten a clear answer. I don't know if you have either. Right. Um, no, I haven't. And I think it's like it, the only like breadcrumbs that I think you can follow here is, okay, Notre Dame joins the ACC in full and a pandemic shares everything. The ACC suddenly has an $80 million bump in revenue coming in at a time when other conferences are down. Um, and then Notre Dame leaves, goes back to sort of normal operations. I'm assuming those revenues will drop again um, to where they were before. So if you're only paying a grant of rights on basketball, men's and women's, you know, baseball, really sort of secondary uh, sports, then that's sort of where I think you get to a reasonable pennies on the dollar. I, I did, when I floated that idea to someone at Notre Dame, they're like, that's how I think I understand it, but that's a long way from that's what the contract actually says. Here's what the fine print would indicate. So I, I, I ran it by a few people in the ACC last night, and they kind of, and these are not Nerd affiliated people, um, they all kind of laughed at the whole situation and were just like, look, Nerd can do whatever the hell they want. If they want to get out, they can get out <laughs> tomorrow. It's not going to be prohibitive. They have the money to do it, and they're not tied football-wise financially the way everyone else is. So I think that part of it, like, I, again, I don't think it would be, we've heard the term prohibitive. I, I think Notre Dame can, can get it done. I do think there's probably a, a easier way financially to do it. And that that's what I'm most curious to see as far as the next steps. Again, I think this ends with two conferences and the haves and the have nots and Notre Dame will be a have and they'll be in the big 10. But you know, is it as simple as they go to the big 10 right when they get offered or is it hey we're going to game this out we're going to wait for the acc to kind of cannibalize itself and collapse on its own when clemson and florida state or whomever leave uh and then you know we literally have nowhere to go um and we don't have to buy our way out as much so to speak because the acc mm -hmm. as we know it won't exist but again that would sacrifice some of their leverage i think now look they're not going to go to the sec but you know 10 years ago there was a lot out there about them going to the Big 12 and giving the Big 12 the same kind of deal that they ended up giving the ACC. And in the aftermath of that, there were people in the SEC who said, what the hell, Notre Dame, we, we would have done that for you, um, which we can laugh about in hindsight, and it's a different SEC and a different Notre Dame a decade later. But like, it, I, I put that out there to say, like, don't rule anything out, even though I don't think that's going to happen. I, I, I think, again, it's inevitable that the Big Ten and SEC cannibalize the remaining, scoop up the remaining um, schools that aren't in those conferences. But I think there's there's still a lot, a lot of points to get to from here to there. Especially, I mean, look, Oregon and Washington. I don't think we can underestimate. Um, I think those are two, not powers, but brand names that will probably deserve a home in this new structure. And I think if you're the Big Ten right now, like uh, you know, all we let's face, we only. This podcast is about football 95% of the time. We're not going to pretend we're concerned about swimming that much, but like that is real travel and missed class time and, you know, mental burdens uh, when you talk about 
going from Los Angeles to State College for a, a Tuesday night soccer game or, or whatever it is. And I think if only to get those two programs, those two new additions, tr- new travel partners, um, and some familiarity so that they're not on an island right. out west, that's something to be considered. I mean, the Pacific Northwest is still a pretty big market. Seattle, I mean, you, you've been there. and like Washington, like I went there for their finale last year with the interim coach when they got their ass kicked, and that place was rocking on a rainy Friday. Like There's some serious money there, and to, to stiff Oregon would essentially be to stiff Nike, and I don't think that's going to happen um, whenever the, the final place. dominoes fall. So I, I think that, that situation needs to play itself out as well. Um, before we figure out what's going to happen in Notre Dame. Tell me what you think the ideal scenario is for Notre Dame three, four years down the road. And I let's just say like they're in the Big Ten because I think that's, to me, that is the most, I don't want to say most likely, but like it feels like it's the smart decision at this point. If, the to me at least, the Big Ten has added Oregon, has added Washington. It's the true national conference. Notre Dame is in there. I don't know who the 20th team would be. Who would... Who would be your choice? Are you would you lean more towards like a Stanford or you know a Stanford or institutional brand, Stanford but not or, an athletic brand? Stanford or North Carolina for the Big Ten? North Carolina? Yeah, for the Big Ten. I would say Stanford or North Carolina. Um last year this time, before they expanded West, I would have said I would have just naturally thought East and thought North Carolina mm-hmm. and maybe Miami. Um but now I don't I, I don't see that. Um like the SEC that you want about them geographically they make a little bit more sense than the big 10 runs right, right now and have a little bit more of an identity um and i think you know if and when miami leaves the acc that will be the home for them um i, I would say north carolina or stanford I, I stanford checks a lot of boxes but like that carolina brand still very strong i don't know any other schools that have like their own actual color like carolina blue um like that's yeah. there's still a basketball power as we saw a couple months ago football they're they're good. I mean, they're not bad. Um, and I think Big Ten would be the ultimate Nike conference yeah. at that point if you had North Carolina and Oregon. And that, that's a big uh, look. That's a big market too. Like that state, and they have a hold over that state the way no other program there does. Um, so I, I think it would be one of those two. I would personally go with North Carolina, but I would understand if they went with Sanford. Can we game out like what a football schedule would look like? I mean, because the Big Ten has talked a lot about like sort of the what three permanent opponents, six rotating. Well. How do you think Lincoln Riley feels right now? <laughs> oh God, yeah, he's probably like. Well, I'm like, let's, I thought I thought I was going to be able to just beat up on Arizona well, here, and Colorado. Here's the other thing with that, like, you know, there a lot of the questions that the Big Ten ADs had for Kevin Warren when this was essentially brought to them this week was, what about travel? What about this? What about that? And uh, the tenor of the conversation quickly turned to. Well, let you. That's not your problem. You're only going to have to go out there for one game a year. That's something that yep. these additions are going to have to worry about. And when you put it in that context, every single USC football game that's not at home is going to be a cold weather game. And it's not like they're not going to play. It's not like they're going to play a full home schedule in November. No. Yeah. Somebody asked me, like, do you think the Big Ten will accommodate USC with like three home games in November? I'm like, no. They will. I mean. <laughs> It would like be like going to State uh, College, going those, to Ann Arbor, like it's Minneapolis. Yeah. <laughs> That's that that will be potentially brutal. Maybe we'll finally get a uh, USC at Notre Dame game in November um, after it being like limited to mid October only. Um, and if, I think that you know if you're Notre Dame and you're doing it's like the three permanent, six rotating, 
You what? What would you say? Like, I would say obviously USC is one. That's non-negotiable. Two would be. I think you got put Purdue. Purdue. I think you got put Purdue in there because okay, for Purdue competitive standpoints, you're not going to do like Michigan, Ohio State, and USC because that's no. murders row. Yeah, and it's like there's that's a that is a historic right. rival with Notre Dame. Like, I mean, we can't we have to have the drum resolved from last year. I mean, it was like so. <laughs> well, well with topic. that Big Ten money, Notre Dame will have enough. Uh, not yeah, from the bank expand to expand the visitors' their, yeah. tunnel, <laughs> or just like helicopter the drum in. Um, those two beyond that, I mean, I was inclined to say Mich- like Michigan State, but like you, I think Michigan State will have too many other permanent rivals yeah. before you get to Notre Dame. You can't go sure wrong with any go. of those traditional powers. I think if you know if, if Stanford came, I you know I think that would be a possibility. That would that would keep things fairly on an even keel for Notre Dame. Rucker, Rutgers and get to the East Coast every year. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, that might be a price too high. Yeah, that's um, unless they agree to play at MetLife, um, you know, because at at that point, what are what are we talking about? We're talking about swapping out um, Wake Forest, Duke, um, Syracuse for like. Iowa, Indiana, Michigan State, Penn State. Like to me, the the quality of your schedule would be upgraded oh, much better significantly. And I think it's something that I'm trying to think of if there's a good example of this um, where a team sort of got back to its historical roots a little bit. Which is weird to say because like giving up independence would somehow be seen as like running away from your history a little bit, but. I think that that was when I think the Notre Dame fan base identified in my 20 years most with like the schedule is when it was Michigan, Purdue, Michigan State every September. You just sort of like set your clock to it. And I just don't think Notre Dame football ever other outside of Clemson ever really felt anything for anybody in the ACC. Yeah, I mean, the exception of Miami, I suppose, and Florida State, but like that all predates the ACC. Well, it's a little like Texas, Oklahoma going to the SEC, right? Like the old Southwest Conference is getting back together. Texas is going to play Arkansas and and A and M again. Um, Yeah, that's good. I mean, do we are we operating? I guess we're operating under the pretense that it'll be a nine game conference schedule still, because I maybe it won't be. Um, Yeah, who knows? Again, if it's and I mean that's that's part of the inventory issue, right? Like. What if it's a 10-game schedule? Can if Notre Dame is not in it. Can Notre Dame fill out its schedule right, that way? Right. I don't know. That that gets into like access to a championship was one is one of the three pillars that Notre Dame needs to have secure to stay independent, um, aside from the financial part. Yeah, I think the recruiting aspect is going to be interesting. I don't know how much it'll change in the Big Ten, but I do think it would be more exciting because like Ohio State and Michigan are recruiting rivals like in name, if that makes sense. Like they go after a lot of the same prospects, but I think when they're like literally playing the same schedule every year and, you know, in the meet, like <laughs> Marcus Freeman going to conference meetings, sitting next to Ryan Day and, and Jim Harbaugh, like that would be a different dynamic. Um, it's a different one for Brian Kelly right now in the SEC. Um, I, I, I think that would, would add a, a layer of, of intrigue. Um, I think... You'll see, you would see new rivals come out of this, right? Like, just by virtue of being in a conference, you develop rivalries with teams that you see a lot. Um, I'm, I'm with you. But is you it, like, don't you think that, like, that didn't happen in the ACC? No. But again, five games a year. Like, if they were in a division and they play. Right. If you're playing nine games a year, it is a, it's a different, different well, bit of math. And, and I've always right? thought, 
I get asked this by a lot by anyone who's like, oh, what's it like to go to Notre Dame game? I'm looking to go for the first time. From my perspective, um, it's a destiny. Well, we've seen it, right? With Cincinnati, with Georgia, like it's a destination venue. I don't think I'm breaking news there. Um, but it's a destination venue because you don't play there every year unless you were Michigan in the past or USC right now. Um, and I think any every because every game's a non-conference game, and I I feel like I experienced this as a student at Penn State, like when when they played Alabama when I was there, it was like, all right, we got to put on a good impression for this fan base, for these people traveling to this part of the country who've never been here before. Mm-hmm. I feel like that's the mentality with Notre Dame and their fans pretty much every single home game. Because, again, outside of USC and Stanford, it's one of a kind. When Penn State's playing Ohio State or Michigan or whomever, it's like you're getting beer cans thrown at your head. Screw you. Like, <laughs> like, like it's a rival. And I'm sure it's the same to differing levels in the SEC, in the Big 12, wherever. Um, I, I think that metamorphosis of the, the game day experience will will be interesting. But again, if you're if you're in a conference that has 20 plus people, you're still outside of USC and whoever else you play, but you're not playing those teams every single year, every other year at your home venue. So I'd be curious about that dynamic. Uh, yeah, there's, I don't know. Yeah, I just, I agree. Like you would have more of like those inhospitable rivalries pop up over time. Like I think Notre Dame going to Ohio state this fall is going to be quite bitter. Um, I don't think Ohio State is going to be like, oh, good to see you, Notre Dame. They already made T-shirts, didn't you see? Yeah, classless, no, versus, I haven't. classless versus Catholics. Oh, excellent! <laughs> that was from Tennessee uh, yeah, in the College World Series. <laughs> excellent. Uh, that I think is there's there's a lot to it to like, and I think that I've read a little bit about like the novelty factor wears off very quickly, like the second time around. But I think with a 20-team conference, that gets extended. You know, if you're looking at your road schedule, I mean, th- just think of the play. You, in this, like, Seattle, Eugene, L.A., L.A., D.C., New York, uh, Columbus, State College. Um, you can get into Chicago. Um, you know, Madison would be great. There, there are not a lot of, like, oh, God, uh, this venue that you would have to go to, right? Like, I just think that the Big Ten is fairly, it's it would be very consistently top tier of places Notre Dame would want to go. Yeah, I mean, we, I think last year we did like, all right, who would you like to see them play that they haven't played or, or what road game venue would you like to cover? Mm-hmm. And I'm pretty sure Eugene and Iowa City came up um, oh, during yeah. that discussion. No uh, yeah, I mean, I think even going to Lincoln, like for how, bad nebraska suddenly is oh like, that'd be awesome you know, it's to be a historical game yeah. like that that would be one of those friendly rivalries good to see you we need to put on a good show for notre dame <laughs> when they come and win 52 to 3 so <laughs> the uh it, it the rose bowl the future rose bowl between usc and oregon will be interesting <laughs> big 10 pac 12 rivals i thought that like the rose bowl should be the site of the new big 10 championship game it's basically what it's gonna be right i mean ucla yeah. plays there and is <laughs> leaving which is interesting. I mean, honestly, the, the it's all weird. Like, I'm not going to, like, dismiss that. When USC tweeted the logo of their – or the announcement of their logo with the Big Ten and, like, that shade of red, that was when I was like, all right, this is, like – this is going to take some getting used to. Like, this just looks funny. 
it is up there with Brian Kelly and LSU gear in terms of like this, this is a joke. Like that one, you know, it's funny. That one prepared me well. Cause I, I was still more surprised by that than I was this as far as oh, shock yeah. factor. hundred uh, percent. Um, but you know, even just like staying up late last night and riding through the night, like it was just like, yep, yeah, Ben invented this corner six months ago in this exact same spot running on fumes and doing multiple podcasts a week and <laughs> talking about how the college football world as we know it is unrecognizable, but um, it's still the, the USC big 10 logo is very, very strange to see. Like the UCLA one, I maybe it's because of the color um, their announcements had like big news with the big 10 logo that looked pretty normal. looked like any other big 10 campus. The USC one looked, looked, looked weird. Yeah, that was uh it's funny. Like I was interviewing Gene Smith yesterday and Martin Jarman last week. Um, so maybe like the shamrock bump has bled over into just like plain old interviews now for us. Um, based on how <laughs> things are going. It's uh there's a lot, a lot to get sorted out. I think you and I are both on the same page about, look, it's uh, Notre Dame is not in a position where they need to rush, but they are in a position where they've got to pay attention. And it can't just be monitoring the landscape, the old buzzword that Kevin White used to throw out. It's got to be a lot more proactive and gaming out. Okay, what, what's door number one, door number two, door number three, door number four? What do those all look like? Is that sort of I think, where we can leave the end of this uh, emergency podcast of the shamrock i think so until news inevitably breaks about something else the minute we we sign off here okay all right well on that note uh we're gonna wrap up this episode of the shamrock i'm sure we'll be back in about 48 hours to talk about something new entirely that we can't even see coming at the moment although uh it uh i think we're both in the mind that like maybe it will settle down at least for the holiday weekend and then we'll get back at it next week maybe maybe, maybe. maybe not 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 knock on wood here before we log off but Thanks for listening to this emergency podcast. He's Matt. I'm Pete. And you've been listening to The Shamrock. Shamrock.